0: All right, Davis, welcome to the pod. Um, I believe I've had you on my pod before. I've definitely done your pod a few times, the take cast. What else you got going on over there? Because normally you have like too many companies and names for me to remember for all the different uh, pots that you're, you're stirring over there. So tell me, why don't you pitch a little bit here, what, what's going on with you before we get into all the different subject matter in this a little bit of a slow time in the NFL season?
1: A little bit of a slow time, so we got uh, we have the take cast, which is um, I mean, there's some football. We we talk football, but not not fantasy. Then we have the Sports Grid fantasy football podcast, and then I do TV six days a week on Sports Grid. So if you're if you're in an airport, if you're in a bar, uh, they probably have my channel on. Actually, if you have a smart t- if you have a smart TV, we're on. Uh, we we, we are, our company's business model is free ad supported television. It's kind of mm-hmm. this new thing, uh, that, uh, that companies are pivoting to. So if you have a smart TV, you can watch sports grid whenever you want. It's, uh, a lot, it's, it's all, you know, it's mostly betting. We do fantasy stuff on the weekends, but uh, those are all the places you can keep up with
0: me. You know, I wasn't even that familiar with the sports grid stuff. So this is something where, so you're saying this is not like through your traditional, like YouTube TV now I guess would be the new traditional thing or cable right. p- package provider but this is something that people can stream through smart TVs basically.
1: Yes so I I believe Again, you know, I am uh, I am about nineteen wrongs down the corporate ladder <laughs> here, um, but I, I do believe actually I know because I because like when I go to like my in laws house I can be like hey we can we can put on my channel it's like in the six hundreds it's way down there but the the, the are you building cred are
0: you building cred with this with this uh, being every exactly everyone,
1: you know, it's it's funny every once in a while someone will text my wife. And they'll yeah. be like, you know, I was at the airport or I was at the gym or whatever, and I just yeah. saw your husband on TV, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. which which builds which builds a little bit of cred. Um, yeah. yeah, but but I, I believe it, it. It's one of these things that comes included in some satellite packages. Yeah, but the the basic business model uh, for the TV stuff is is free ad supported television.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Okay, so you're doing all that stuff here. Maybe uh, just for anyone who's listening here who's not kind of familiar. With your arc here, would you say that you were, I don't know, I guess my familiarity with you going back, which seems like a lifetime ago, but we're talking, even if we go back five, six, seven years in the fantasy football space, that was kind of more of the argument being more on the side of. You know, the numbers ish type of analysis versus uh, team small wide receiver. we 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 were team big wide receiver, of course, going, going against those guys. we all the time. we
1: were, but then the NFL changed up on us. We, <laughs> Kevin, we were so right. We were so right. and then the NFL uh, changed rules and and uh, you know the short passing offense and the cover two really yeah. really uh, undid us, you know, yeah,
0: it, I, I think so. I mean, but but to be honest, When you have, you know, your A.J. Browns and your D.K. Metcalfs and your Debo Samuels, like your bigger wide receiver types going in the second round and then becoming huge, huge smashes. It was kind of weird in some ways that that people have fallen off on it. Well, we'll we'll see if Traylon Burks and others end up uh, hitting similar way. But it's it's weird how the NFL doesn't value those guys nearly as much. um, But that was kind of like the argument back in the back in the day uh, between those things. And then moving further and further, obviously DFS being a huge thing, and that being your main focus. And now, well, what would you consider the evolution after that?
1: Um, I mean, DFS is still my favorite thing of all. The- Actually, not even true. Fantasy fo- Season-long fantasy football is my favorite thing. The issue with that is, I mean, this Doing waiver
0: which- wire? Doing waiver wire? I Wednesday's love it. Interfere. I do. Really? Oh, I my love- God. I yes. remember— there was one year I went all in on fantasy football. It was 2015. I know the season well because I had uh, Andy Dalton and Tyler Eifert on like all my different teams, and they were crushing until they both got injured at the end of the season and then everything went to shit. Um, so, But doing waivers because I was doing them for a bunch of high-stakes teams at the same time was just like soul-crushing because I'm the type of person. Maybe if I'm doing it with someone else, it would be better, but I'm the type of person where – I'll have like an epiphany five different times during the evening of how I need to change around my bids and then I'll go and I'll rechange them. And it just became like a soul crushing exercise every single week.
1: Yes. So all my high stakes teams are co-managed. I do some by myself, but they all, which is kind of nice, you know, it's kind of a communal thing, which is, which is sort of nice, but I love best ball. I love DFS. Um, But the, the thing is in our space, the, the corner of the internet where where I've been employed, the number one thing people care about right now is sports betting. Um, and the issue with that is it's hard to do good sports betting content for me because I can give out plays. You know, I can give out hunches. I can play and be like, oh, you know, I like this golf bet. I like this bet in baseball tonight. I think this uh, Nikola Jokic line is a little bit too long or, you know, you know, 5% off. But people don't really care about that. They just want winners. They just want – they don't want – to learn how to sports bet they don't want to learn that you know just even the idea that it's really more of a mathematical exercise than an exercise about knowing about sports people kind of bristle at that so a lot of the sports betting content is uh just not just that's what people want that's where the clicks go you know all that stuff but it's it's especially as someone who i don't i don't do python i don't do r i don't code i don't build models it's it's harder for me to do what i think is like really really good sports betting content
0: yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it makes sense. I think there's just less incentive, even for someone who's betting to care about being good at betting when you can just blindly fire off and then you lose the the juice, you lose the vig, and then you just move on with your life and, and get happy entertainment from it, as opposed to if you're bad at DFS, you're just going to get crushed and it's going to be very, very obvious that you're going to get crushed and there's not going to be much entertainment value in it at all when you're just losing all of your money and it's complicated and it's like a lot of work too. So all those, those different things combined, like there's more, there's more like there's more value in having good content there because then you can actually apply it in this, in this type of manner. Now I guess I've, I'm interested in sports betting for the fact that, I'm interested in larger questions about whether teams are good or not. And, you know, the, it, it kind of fits in with maybe analytical thinking about football that goes beyond, you know, fantasy football, beyond projecting the skill positions at the same time, like markets are pretty good. I think the the value in doing this type of analytical football work for me is more, pushing back against awful media narratives and recency bias and things like that. And if if the if the betting markets reflected the kind of general dummy consensus, I'll call it of, of the way people look at sports, then I think it would be a great area for great content. But the markets most of the time don't reflect and are much more closer or exactly matching my own opinion. And then it's like how do you make content there against smart betting markets? I can make content Against dumber media markets,
1: so I think the the thing is is that exactly what you said, which is true, which is that um, doing content, doing smart content for like MVP markets or futures markets, where sure the hold is going to be pretty high, so it's harder to fire really good bets in there but those are going to be markets that are more dumbed down right where yes. where normie consensus is making the cowboys you know 14 to 1 to win the super bowl when like i don't know their real numbers is maybe like 30 or 35 to well 1 I mean, and, and, or the mar- and the and the like books that. are
0: just going to price it with enough hold that they don't really care you know they're kind of like well we'll price in enough enough overall hold in this and this sort of thing that um even if we're wrong about some of this stuff we'll probably end up being okay Sure,
1: and I mean, like, just for for my own purposes, like I've done way better, not even close, betting larger picture stuff, futures, MVPs, yeah. uh, golf outrights, things like that. Whereas, anytime I've really tried to dial down, uh, you know, betting player props and and you know head to head matchups and golf and things like that, it's either gotten not fun really fast, just via the amount of work you need to put in, or I've lost like three days in a row and just completely. Uh, lost the patience to do it. Uh, the The times where the t- the times that have been most fun for me doing the more micro betting, though, are um, inter- large international soccer tournaments, so European Championships, the World Cup, where the lines are a little bit softer because more people are betting into them. Uh, they're available earlier. You know, normally if I, like, so t- we're talking Tuesday, June 6th, the uh, Champions League final is on Saturday and there's no individual player props posted for that yet, uh, at least in the books that I have access to. Whereas for the World Cup, they were posting stuff like weeks early.
0: Yeah, well, I know. And even even when it comes to props, um, I'll be interested to see the evolution of like establish the run and what they're doing with their props because they release something um, I guess it's in their Discord. Is that where we're releasing something? And I know from people who bet this stuff that they just completely like level out the market immediately when they put something out there and everything moves based upon what they're doing. And I don't know. Like it'll be interesting. Even even the value proposition for their uh subscribers, like is all the juice, is, is it all gonna be squeezed out basically? The value that you even get there for the fact that they're once you move the market with your own. Recommendations and the markets are small enough, and then they start moving. Like, what's even left for subscribers there? It just seems like a very mm-hmm. hard problem to well, solve. Basically,
1: it is a hard problem to solve. I mean, I got it. So the the ETR guys, you know, they do their football props and they do their basketball props, and like they're moving markets, and even yes. in moving those markets, they're crushing them. um And I, I honestly, like. I have never subscribed to a service that gives sports betting picks, but I, you know, I've got plenty of buddies who are into stuff like that. They're, they don't do this for a living. They're just hanging out in discord all day. Like they want some winning picks. And I actually think most people's experience with really reputable companies like that, that are like, look, this is what you have to do to get down. It's Largely good. Right. Even if uh, you miss, let's say you miss one out of three plays because they give out, uh, you know, I don't know, Duncan Robinson over two and a half, three pointers made or whatever. And then by the time you, you, you're on discord, you see the alert, you, you open your app and then it's gone or whatever, which I think is like a relatively common experience, but there, there is still a hundred percent edges to be found in betting on sports. Uh, The larger issue in the United States right now is that if you are a winning player, they're going to limit your amount of money that you can, that you can win. Right. So maybe, uh, you, are you're, you're the greatest, um, you know, golf head to head better in world history. And no matter what DraftKings and FanDuel and BetMGM do to their golf model to price head to heads, you're, you're crushing them. You're getting over on them at like 58, 59% or whatever. They can just be like, uh, sorry, you can't bet this market is not available to you, or you can get down three cents, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, very I mean, immoral,
1: like, honestly, to me.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I agree. Although, I don't know, it would be interesting to see like what would happen. Well, there are some books, right, that aren't that aren't as bad at, at doing that. Um, but then, well, they're... our friends,
1: our friends over at Circus Sports, their whole deal, Jeff Benson. Uh, I mean, their whole deal is they just want to write as many tickets as possible and give the the biggest thing that they do is they offer no. On their markets, which keeps the hold. So it's like Rory McElroy to win uh, the RBC Canadian Open or him not to win the RBC Canadian Open.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I just know that like once you become a successful enough sports better, a lot of these guys are spending almost as much time getting you know outs or getting different accounts that they can bet through basically yeah, and yeah, some getting beards sort of getting,
1: getting, getting yeah yeah uh, and and honestly i've heard uh you know it's not that uncommon that people honestly hate legalization and they wish that it was more you know getting uh five dimes to send you uh amazon gift cards or whatever to to pay out because like people people miss that i mean i think there's like an element of like uh, people, you know, miss kind of the, the wild, wild west nature of it. And now that, you know, everyone, you know, has a sportsbook account, it's a little bit different, but certainly there is no push from the legislative side in the United States to make things more fair for winning players. Like that's just not happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you have any, this is something that that I don't really know, is you see numbers that are out there like, oh, you know, so much, there was so much of a handle in this state or that state and how much that they're taking in and they're growing their, their, their betting operations to me, it still seems like a fringe thing. I mean, I don't know how big culturally it really is or people are, are actually betting on it or how much has really changed from maybe people who are doing it in some sort of black market function who are now doing it in a legalized way, but not necessarily for huge money. Um, I guess contrasting that with the huge investment. I mean, you talked about not only in content, but in advertising, everything else has gone into it. I don't know. What do you think about the betting market generally? I guess I'm just a little skeptical that it'll ever fulfill maybe what people are hoping that its potential will be.
1: I mean, I think we're certainly running into the the issue right now that we did in DFS, where it seems uh, very prevalent to us because we're in it and we see the commercials on TV or everything. But, but certainly, uh, you know, I, I think the total addressable market of sports betting in the United States is pretty close to being met in terms yeah. of like every, everyone who's gonna have a sports betting account probably already has one or is pretty cl- it's, it's pretty close. You know, let's call it 80, 85% saturated or something like that. Um, so what's, what, what we're seeing is these big entities are just competing against each other to knock the other one out right? There used to be a billion DFS companies used to be able to play DFS on like 15 different sites, you know, and now there's basically two, you know, I don't know. There's probably some other fringe ones that people play on and that, you know, that's, what's going to happen is there's going to be losers out of bet MGM and Caesars and Fox sports bet, which I think maybe already folded actually. And like all these, there, there are going to be losers. There are going to be companies that look at their profit and loss and be like, you know what, let's just sell our remaining infrastructure to company X and just wash our hands of this.
0: When when do you think that we get to the point in the cycle where their promotional money and the affiliate money kind of dries up in that sort of like loss leading way that, I mean, we saw in DFS also um, combined with these like, controversies that they had in, in DFS, which were kind of an overblown sort of thing, I think also helped pop some of the, I don't know if it was a bubble in DFS, but definitely a leveling off in activity there. Do you, do you see that in the near future?
1: I mean, I think we're probably already there. Okay. Uh, I, I don't live in a legal sports betting state, but I go to legal sports betting states, you know, fairly, like Illinois is 10, 15 minutes away. So I can go over there and the the offers and the free bets and all that stuff are, Smaller than ever when they open in a new state. It used to be thousand dollar free bets when a new state is there, and now it's like two hundred fifty dollar free bets or a hundred dollar free bet. So the the faucet of like consistent promotional offers and you know ways to basically milk free money out of these new sites is is already dwindling, to my understanding.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been interested to see how this all how this all plays out. I guess I'm a little bit skeptical in what will end up happening, but we'll, we'll, we'll end up seeing. All right. So let's hit some topical stuff here. Uh, I'm going to break my vow to never talk golf. And, but we will have to talk about how the announced merger here between PGA and live golf. So why, why, to talk about this stuff. Yeah. I don't know anything. I mean, I know very little. I know what I see on Twitter. I see people that are, you know, upset about it in some ways everyone has their succession memes which another show that i don't watch so i don't get, <laughs> I, don't get I've, I haven't i me- haven't watched
1: succession either i've been trying to like soft succession sell my wife memes on as related
0: it. to uh pga uh, uh, diehards who did not come over to living and, and get that bag and are now having the rug pulled out from under them sort of sort of situation what's what give me, give me the proper take on this. Cause I guess we're going to hear a lot of this. Everything's a hypocrisy. Everything is this and that. And well, you know, that's probably true. It's, it's okay to be, be cynical when it's deserving to be so. Um, but I tend to always lean against at least a little bit what the consensus opinion is. So am I wrong to be doing that? What What's your take on this whole merger?
1: I mean, the issue, the primary issue is that Many people believe anything from the United States is good, and that anything from Middle Eastern countries is bad. Now, Saudi Arabia is bad. The for me, the private investment fund is a bad thing that's ruining stuff that I like: golf, soccer, uh, other you know professional sports. It's, it's and when you causing... say ruining,
0: like what what's the context for for ruining? Essentially, like. Not like, causing an imbalance, essentially. Yeah, it's just making
1: it. It's just making it not fun. You you pretty much know what do we like about sports? We like an uncertainty of outcome. We like drama, and there's there's none of that, right? We know the teams that are going to win the Champions League every year. We know the teams that are going to win the Premier League every year, uh, and that is not fun. Now in golf, it's a little bit different, right? Because we don't. We 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 golf is a a more variant game, and it's not like uh. No one really cares. I, I think uh, who owns the PGA Tour at the end of the day. Um, like it, it, you're not it's able to build a
0: team. In you're the not same able to build right. You're not right. able so it, to build a team. It, it comes into the fix, team dynamic of it, where you can, you can able put to the best players the all, all on the same team. That's the problem when it comes to these competitive dynamics. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. You you hit it. You hit it a hundred percent. So, uh, but the the issue obviously is everyone is like, uh, you know, anti anti Saudi Arabia. You know, I mean, like Raytheon and Boeing are PGA Tour sponsors. Who do you think sells weapons to the Saudis? You know, it's like I—I guess honestly, I'm probably not the person you want to have on this because I'm—I'm I'm so uber cynical, I'm so yeah. anti-capitalist that for me, what's what's the fundamental difference between a tour sponsored by Raytheon and Boeing and the Saudi Arabian private investment fund? My my take on the whole thing is like, obviously, I don't like philosophically, a lot of the things the Saudis do. But more importantly than that, I just want good golf. And this is going to be a return to the best possible golf. Uh, but there are a lot of guys who are going to have to walk things back. You know, basically, Rory and Scheffler and Rahm, you know, the five best, five, basically, let's, let's call it the 10 best golfers in the world, basically took a moral stance. Basically, we're like, uh, we could make $100 million more million per year guaranteed if we take this money and we can go and do this, but for moral reasons and for, you know, Rom uh, was more like, you know, I like the history of the PGA Tour, and I'm a, I'm a student of the game. Like, he kind of took that angle. But realistically, they were all kind of taking a moral stance because they could have made gener- beyond generational wealth. You know, like, they could have been billionaires by playing on the Live Tour, basically, and they're not. And now everyone whether they took a moral stance or not it's gonna have to walk that back because the I, I forget I forget his name, but the guy who is the head of the private investment fund of Saudi Arabia is now is now gonna be the, the commissioner of the PGA tour. So it's like if you if and, and Jay Monahan said all this stuff and you know guys were invoking the name of uh, Khashoggi and and you know pointing out all these atrocities and that's your boss now. And so but the, the other thing is you're a professional golfer, you spent your whole life playing professional golf, but let's say you do want to take a moral stance, where do you go? There's nowhere left to go. There's no professional tour on earth that you could make enough money that is not sponsored by the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. So that does seem like a little bit of an issue.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the moral stance thing, I think it can be genuine from a player level. Um from the like the PGA tour level, I would be, I was much more incredulous of that sort of stuff it seemed like more of a
1: yeah like the PGH um, tour is some bastion of morality and light yeah. in the world like i never <laughs> i never bought that like it's I, like
0: when the it's like the cia yeah. celebrating uh you know diversity, diversity and inclusion yeah right or it's like
1: it's like you got to remember who you are
0: but i think it was more like who's gonna win right so who's gonna win um eventually if there was going to be a winner here and you know they the, the pga tour lost basically too many players were willing to take the check that it made it difficult to say we have leverage against them um in any way to restrict them from playing in wherever especially when the majors are not part of this whole thing right like that is that makes it an impossibility really so really yeah.
1: big thing is that the, the thing that Most people who watch golf care about are are less tangled up in this than you would think.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's just not enough leverage for non with non major tournaments to to have ever been able to win this. Probably now, what do you think this does for someone like Phil Mickelson, who obviously caught a lot of hell? um... Nah, he
1: gets to tell everyone to eat shit. He won, right? (laughs) I mean, that's that
0: is. I was surprised. I was shocked that he had so much of a problem with his comments. And again, maybe I'm just being way, way too cynical where he basically said, I don't even remember. You have to correct me on this, but it was kind of like talking about the Khashoggi stuff and all this other stuff. He was like, ah, you know, whatever. You know, we all do some bad stuff. Kind of kind of was his situation. Like he was- Well, people, well, people don't want to know this, but people
1: really hate to understand about modern life is that you can do whatever- fucked up, amoralistic thing you want to do if you have enough money. And I think inherently people do not like to admit that. And what I think people find so distasteful about the Saudis versus large American corporations, like Amazon, like Google, like whatever, is that in Western countries, I think we maintain a facade of charity, of of do-goodingness, of wanting to further the human race, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. And I think what people uh bristle at so much with foreign money is that that facade doesn't apply and they just really rub your noses in in the the black and white fact of that in capitalist economies the most money is always going to win that's really to we don't know you know I mean we're, we're talking about two hours after all this broke so we'll see what ends up coming out my guess is that this is what happened the PGA tour, ran the numbers, realized they way overcommitted themselves. You know, they they upped all this prize money. They created these exclusive events. They promised, you know, revenue sharing and all this money with with the players. And they basically like, we're going to run out of money. Like any, like, uh, you know, anything bad happens to the housing market with a bunch of our sponsors, you know, whatever, like we are so screwed and we're not going to be able to pay these people. My Because my, the other crazy thing about this whole deal is no one knew. I mean, we've had you know rumors and and reporting and stuff leaking out about everything going on with the lib tour since the the idea existed and there was nothing on this it was a complete surprise which is wild
0: it is wild although i i just think that the fact that there was this i don't know how long of a period it was it was it was all within it seemed like it was all within a couple of weeks maybe it was more like a couple of months where so many major golfers did take the check and move over despite like the Mickelson being the huge pushback there and him essentially having to go into, (laughs) go into hiding, go on a hiatus, a forced hiatus for a while that it almost seemed like dead man walking at that point. You know, there was already a critical enough mass. And then you have people like Brooks Brooks is, you know, still winning majors and doing other things after he's, it's just, it it just became an impossibility. I think at that point,
1: you're saying what became an impossibility.
0: To be able to to hold off, to be able to hold off at that point, they already there's already too many golfers who would who, too many big name golfers who had moved over. I think.
1: Um. So, I mean, I get it comes back to the majors thing, right? Yeah. Because the majors were always going to have those guys, and the elevated events that they did, I, it definitely did help. You know, as someone who watches more golf tournaments than just the majors, like having the 10 best guys on the PGA tour like locked into these six or seven events a year was, was nice. But I, I think you're right. I think it's like a sustainability thing because uh, if, if any other dominoes continue to fall, like if Scotty Scheffler or Jordan Spieth or whatever, if they were like, peace out, we're taking the money. Uh, each, each of those corresponding things made it more difficult for the PGA tour and the PGA tour probably needed a, an economic redesign at some point anyway. So this was sort of, I think an impetus for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I think maybe some of the context missing, the larger context missing when it comes to Saudi Arabia is there's like this intense focus on, on the continuing civil rights issues in Saudi Arabia. Obviously the, you know, we had a journalist who was killed and it's been linked to now the, the crown prince, but at the same time, it's kind of not like your your father's Saudi Arabia or whatever. It's not like your old school Saudi Arabia. I mean, the new – the the crown prince here, uh, Mohammed bin Salman al-Sud, MBS is what they call him. I mean, he does yeah. have this plan of essentially transforming the country over the next – what was 15 years starting in 2015 over to 20, 2030 – of becoming more about tourism, becoming more about industry, becoming more open in society. There was, I think it was in 2017 or 2018, he essentially brought in a whole bunch of people who have been living off of the largesse of the society, whether royal people in the royal family or not, stripped them of all their assets, kind of cracked down on them, who would have been impediments to these types of reforms. And, you know, even socially, what's going on has essentially become, you know, women have a lot more rights than they used to. I mean, they can drive a car now, which was something that was famously illegal before. A little bit less restrictions on attire, less restrictions on chaperoning and other sort of things that had to go on in society. And it's become, I think they're basically taking like the China model when it comes to these things is we're gonna open up economically. We're gonna say what goes on inside the household and kind of these religious overtones to these sorts of things. We're going to back off from quite a bit, but then we're going to have a highly controlled state society on all of these ways that beyond the surface, um, like they don't have religious police out there anymore. Like they used to be, we're just open in the public, but beyond the surface, it's highly controlled. And I think they just look at like, I just don't, I don't, I I think another 10 years from now, the difference between Saudi Arabia in people's minds for these kinds of civil rights issues and other issues, is not going to really be any different than China. And they and you know, obviously yeah, but we don't really
1: like we don't really like china i mean you know, I know China, like, but we don't like we don't, china and they're they're murdering not their any Muslim real population uh,
0: beyond republican politicians there's not any real pushback to and republican
1: politicians me. don't even really care it's just a good it's just <laughs> well, a good it's a regardless, good regardless
0: beyond, beyond daryl morey and republican politicians okay there's uh I, i'm actually shocked that more i got another job after that but uh, daryl morey and republican politicians like there's no real pushback to any sort of investment in China, right? And I think it's just going to be the same thing for Saudi Arabia now. And I'm not sure if people fully well, appreciate. Well, I that. don't
1: think I don't think you're making the argument you think you're making. I think you're I think you are you're making an argument about a more lax political attitude. But I think you're making this you're you're actually making the same argument I'm making, which is people will forgive anything for money.
0: You you well, can buy what you it, have you to can, you... have the superficiality of openness though, and I think I, I, I sure. Okay, sure it's not it's not. Okay, everything you can put in this kind of binary, and I agree, at enough money, anything will be accepted. The, 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 the thing is you can make these reforms where you can have – like it's, it's like the reforms in China where you essentially have a highly controlled society. But when you're walking down the street, you're doing other things. You don't feel it, okay? You don't feel it like you would have in the past. Same thing with Saudi Arabia. If you, you're in Saudi Arabia in the past, the women are covered. Like Again, you have these religious police on every on these street corners, isn't that now you start to be able to walk through society and you don't see it. So while it's still there, it's not superficially it's changed. And that's what allows people to get over the hump when it comes to now we're really talking about dollars and cents here.
1: Yeah, it's it's all optics, though.
0: Yes. Right. I mean, we're, we're talking we're talking
1: about optics. like. But optics all.
0: matter. Optics matter. Sure. You know, sure. if you're going to go work in some place and you're going to be, uh, you know, a Western executive or something like that, like it's going to matter whether you can go home to your you can go to your home and you can say, hey, you know, I can't go on the Internet and talk shit on the on the other crowd brits or whatever, but I can basically live my life. And it feels in a way like it doesn't feel like a closed society in that sort of way and then you know the money will flow in after that i mean obviously in soccer we're seeing it here where i think eventually um i think they're going to be in the champions league or something like that eventually like eventually
1: a- that, that is what is going to happen is they are they are going to uh configure the you the current uefa champions league to include Asian teams to include Qatari and Saudi Arabian teams. They're well, gonna, yeah, no especially nice to do especially that. Saudi
0: Arabia. I, I mean, I I think maybe we'll go further in Asia, but you need to have well established. I mean, we talk about here. Obviously, Ronaldo's already there. Who knows? He's making hundreds of of he's, millions. He's, of dollars he's leaving.
1: He, so Ron Ron had a terrible time, but so Messi is going apparently. That's maybe I got, I, Messi's and, trying
0: to decide like whether he wants to have one last shot at a legitimate like elite player in Europe. But before but taking Kareem the check. Benzema, they'll go eventually. Kareem, Messi's going eventually, you know. If not, green this Benzema, year, next who year.
1: won the Ballon d'Or twelve months ago, less than that even, is in
0: Saudi Arabia now. He's which is key, that he's low key washed though. What do you think about that? What do you think about that take?
1: I mean, he played the second half of the year injured. I, I mean, maybe he is. He is like up there, so I'm not going to say he's not. Yeah. Uh, but he, he, I mean, like he could go to the Premier League and be. One of the five best forwards, for sure. I think.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I do. Well, whatever. He's taking the check. I think when when players take the check, I do think it says something about their opinion on their own. Well, first of all, he he, play, he played for the team that won the Champions League like a ridiculous amount of times recently. Also, so it doesn't really like the incentive is maybe not as high to say that I want to stay and win another Champions League title when realistically, like. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a difficult proposition for any team to to win. Um, um, but I think that's part of it is like, am I washed enough? <laughs> Basically, like, do I have still plus Benzema's was one of these guys where you read about him a little bit. You know, he has this whole crew that he's still somewhat shady crew that he's like been still hanging out with from where he grew up outside of Leon and other stuff. Like, I think he he values money a lot a lot too so taking the check for him makes makes some sense too but that's going to continue right they're going to continue to recruit these players
1: well we haven't even we haven't even touched on the big thing that this leads to which is that eventually the saudi arabian sovereign wealth fund buying nba nfl and major league baseball teams which is this is the first i would say that's less than less than three years away before we start you to think see so
0: that. i don't know i don't yeah. know it's just it's not a very international game though like how do you Does, get
1: because you need american western people to think highly to think more promisingly of saudi arabia that's, yeah, that's I, why I they're, just, that's why they're doing all of this that's why that's why they want to win the champions league that it's all a part yeah of i
0: just feel like you get so much more leverage out of soccer when it comes to all these other countries that don't give a damn i mean the nfl i feel like is pretty safe because like no one gives a damn about the nfl outside of the of the united states basketball maybe although china has made pretty good progress already as far as building up Uh, basketball there and even then they have very little success in recruiting players that anyone would actually care about uh, beyond these kind of friendly tours during the during the offseason so it's possible it's possible Um, I just feel like they'd probably be smarter just to continue to lean into soccer right now now that they have a little bit of a toehold in moving up in that area but I, I guess it's just my my bigger point is that this is this is part of a huge push for them to diversify the entire economy away from being this rentier sort of uh, oil-based economy to getting into all these other different areas, and it's probably just gonna gonna continue in that direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're probably right. One one issue that's happening there though is like they're kind of running out of teams to buy because. You know they already own Manchester City. They already own PSG. I don't think Barcelona around. But now you're whatever. saying they
0: in like the, uh, the broader sense. I mean, Saudi Arabia. It's not Saudi Arabia necessarily that that, that owns these. To that me, these,
1: I, teams. I I'm I I'm viewing this. They actually as, have a bit of
0: a different strategy, trying to establish their own soccer league as opposed to just buying into other. Well, they leagues.
1: they've got both, right? Saudi Arabia and Qatar, uh, you know, are are doing. And and yes, obviously. There are differences between Qatar and Saudi Arabia, but to me, they're they're trillion dollar Muslim fundamentalist countries. So, I'm and I'm an ignorant American. I'm not going to learn. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to like go. The, the aims are the same. The source of the wealth is the same. You know, natural resources. You know, right? I'm just these Saudi countries, has these, these are like the luckiest countries a, on earth.
0: Saudi Arabia has more of a let's try and build something which will end up being sustainable. As opposed to, you know, buying PSG is not like building something that's sustainable. It's just a money losing venture that they're willing to have in order just to give, just for PR purposes to cover up like their existing economy. I'm saying Saudi Arabia as much as what they're doing. That's why I'm saying it is different. They're trying to do something different with this and actually building up a league as opposed to just throwing money at something for PR.
1: So I I mean,
0: that's the vision. It's
1: it's the is it the vision though? Because I think the I think the end is the vision
0: twenty thirty. I I don't know. That's what they call it, but yeah.
1: I think uh, the the end goal is the same, which is we want uh, Western people with disposable income and nuclear weapons to have a higher opinion of us, right? That that really is the goal. Is is to have the people who control the balance of power in the world think more highly of them.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll see. I mean, again, that's not what what their stated goal is. They are trying to build up all these different industries in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but, but don't we, be don't be don't see.
1: be naive, though. You don't you don't create you don't create vision twenty thirty out of the goodness of your heart. I don't think.
0: No, it's not about the goodness of their hearts. No, nothing is about the goodness of their hearts. It is a recognition of number one, oil reserves there are probably a lot less than what the estimates have, and number two, I don't think we've hit a tipping point on oil usage, but I do think we're gonna see either an acceleration of electric versus oil use in these other things, or if you want to say a decay of oil usage, that's, that's going to be pretty strong in the next few decades. And you want to be out in front of that for these countries Um, as opposed to being fully dependent upon that they could go very quickly from being, you know, largesse type of economies to having a natural resource when it goes down enough where you're talking about scraping by profitability wise and could shift everything there. I think that's what they're thinking at least is they want to build up and diversify the, the economy there where I'm not sure Qatar and others are actually, are actually doing that. Um, all right, let's, let's shift gears here. We've, we've done enough back and forth here on uh, on this. Let's shift gears to, to NFL stuff. Do we care about anything that's going what on now? I don't know. Like, OTA. like practice, stuff. Yeah. practice stuff. Yeah. i I'm.
1: I'm I, I. I can. I, I. honestly cannot get enough of uh, Bryce Young looking like a child who wandered out in the middle of Panthers. <laughs> I haven't scan. seen any
0: Bryce Young stuff yet. And, is that what he looks like? I don't even. And
1: know. Uh, also, also, just the 49ers uh, quarterback palace intrigue. Like the like that. That is my favorite storyline in the NFL. Is uh, how much Kyle Shanahan hates Trey Lance, but then. <laughs> knowing that this other shoe might drop of, of uh, who told me this story? Was it you who told me this story? No, it wasn't. It was Eric Eager. He told me this story of basically what happened. You probably know this, which is that uh, Fran Tarkenton worked with Brock Purdy before the draft and mm-hmm. basically taught him the, the Shanahan West Coast offense, everything, right? Mm-hmm. The verbiage, the audibles, you know the exact throws you need to make, like all this stuff, so that when Purdy met with Shanahan and then got to practice, Shanahan was like blown away. Like basically gave him the answers to the test before. That's Shanahan why they and John took Lynch them with games. the
0: last pick of the seventh round to the NFL draft. Well,
1: Brock Purdy stinks, right? I mean, Brock yeah. Purdy is not good, right? That like basically that's what Tarkenton said to Purdy. This is this is prayer because basically like, dude, you suck, but I can get you drafted. I can get okay. you on an NFL roster and. So I'm also kind of waiting for this realization of Shanahan that his fundamental problem that led to him drafting Trey Lance in the first place which is that he keeps bringing a knife to a gunfight at the quarterback position is still fundamentally true and I just I and because the other interesting thing is for every year for like last 4 years the 49ers have been like top 5 favorites in the market to win the Super Bowl despite no one ever actually thinking that they can win the Super Bowl so I, ju- I just saw- I find that fascinating. It's a fascinating situation.
0: No, I do agree. It's fascinating. I do agree that when it comes to like Super Bowl odds, the fact that let I me mean, I'm checking to see whether or not it's still the case. I know when I was looking at it earlier this year, it was basically the case that they were marginally worse than the Eagles. Um, yeah, it's a little bit. Well, let's go to conference winner on here. I'm just looking at DraftKings real fast. So Eagles plus 250, 49ers ers second plus four twenty five. Okay, so it's it's spread out a little bit here, um, and we don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. Could be I mean, could be
1: anyone. Could, could I mean be the NFC stinks.
0: Hour. The NFC stinks, but I mean I'm low key, not low key, high key. Sam, can I get Sam Darnold overs? Because I feel like he obviously he looks good. Just throwing the ball I mean, he was, he was probably should have been the number one pick in the 2018 draft. If it wasn't for the fact that, you know, uh, Dorsey, you know, was really into, uh, Baker Mayfield. Like, I think if you have more than half the teams in the NFL would have taken Sam Darnold number one and not Baker Mayfield on that draft. Um, he looks like someone who can maybe execute some of that quick game sort of throws. I mean, Darnold's problem is he, th- he tries to throw it down the field. He doesn't have a strong enough arm, really, to, to throw it down the field. Um, and then he ends up getting himself in trouble trying to make, like, Josh Allen throws that he just can't make. Uh, but I don't know. I can see him going in there and looking – pretty good and again your thing with purdy I, I agree with there's nothing special about him and we know that trey lance is just is, is dead like he's gonna be traded probably before the season ends up starting if they can find some he's, got a, he's got a hard
1: him. he's got if that's the thing he's got a hard contract to trade because he was the third overall pick he he's like a pretty significant amount of dead cap
0: yeah, I mean the dead cap doesn't matter as much as teens being willing to take on the salary. What's his salary for the next for the next two years? his, well, his, cap, hit, his,
1: his cap hit is nine point three, but his dead cap is twenty million.
0: Well, again, like the dead cap doesn't really matter, right? Like you're only writing off, like it's just cash, right? You've already paid, you've already paid the 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 bonus. You've already paid the bonus. So if you're going to say it's a post june 1st trade you save 3.7 million on the cap like who cares it's just the the team that picks him up is going to have to be willing to guarantee he has a guaranteed 5.3 million next year everybody this was a free version of a paid subscriber podcast at unexpectedpoints.substack.com and if you cannot afford a subscription at this point let me know Either shoot me an email at unexpectedpts at gmail.com. Send me a note or leave a comment on the Substack or hit me up on Twitter at Kevin Cole, triple underscore. Let me know that you're experiencing some financial hardship at this point. I will give you a no questions asked six month subscription to the pod. You can get these premium podcasts and all of my other premium content. Thank you so much for listening. And more content coming your way next week.